The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Today's message is the second half of a sermon preached on the topic of justification by faith and justification by works. This sermon is a part of our Kingdom of God series where we've begun to look at our articles of faith here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. The article of faith under consideration is Article 5, which states that we believe that sinners are justified only in the sight of God by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now that article of faith is primarily talking about justification by grace, which occurs in the courtroom of eternal heaven. But in order to understand justification fully in the scripture, we must realize that there are two other courtrooms wherein justification occurs. And it's a different type of justification than justification by grace. Justification by faith occurs in the courtroom of the heart and mind. Justification by works occurs in the courtroom of men's opinions. We started yesterday looking at justification by faith, and today we'll conclude that topic and begin to look at the topic of justification by works, as found in James chapter 2 and verse 21. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new to sing your song again. 
So what is the right way? What is the correct way to respond when, in, when we're condemned in the courtroom of our heart and mind? Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. I know this chapter, this, these verses have been misunderstood and misapplied. Let me, let me give you the right application. The application of Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 is in the courtroom of our heart and minds. Listen to this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let me just break that down just for a minute because I don't, I don't want us to misunderstand what he's saying here. He didn't say, come unto me, all ye of Adam's posterity. He didn't say everybody out there. He said, no, just those that labor and just those that are heavy laden. In other words, there's people out there that don't have any desire for Christ. They don't see themselves as sinners. They're not under the conviction of sin. Those are not interested. And there are people out in the world who are not laboring. They're not burdened. You know, the burden of sin afflicts only God's children. There are those out in the world that don't labor under a burden of sin. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, all of you that are laboring, all of you that are heavy laden, all of you that are thirsty, who are hungering and thirsting for, for righteousness, you come to me. And I'll give you eternal life. That's not what he said, is it? <laughs> he said, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. You know, that fits right in with what we're talking about. When, I, when you're born of the Spirit, and you're condemned in your heart and mind, as a sinner, as the sinner that you are, and in that courtroom you're seeking for justification, there's only one place you can go. You can't go to your works, you can't go to your church, you can't go to your religious exercises, you can't go anywhere else but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Come unto me, he says. If you're laboring and you're heavy laden, you come to Jesus. You know, that is an exercise that we can do. It doesn't get us into heaven. You don't have to come to Jesus. You can choose to try to, like those Jews, go about to establish your own righteousness, but you'll be miserable all of your life. One day you'll be in heaven, but you may still try to, to choose your way to heaven or to accept your way to heaven or to work your way to heaven or to do all these various things. Beloved, come to Jesus. Believe on Him. Belief is an exercise of your will, believe it or not. I know we emphasize here at this church that belief, you know, believing on Him and believing uh, in, in these things of the Scripture are not uh, the prerequisite to going to heaven. But you ought to do it because <laughs> you'll never be happy if you're not. In fact, you will stand in the courtroom of your heart and mind unjustified until you come to Jesus. He says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Are you burdened under your sin? Are you trying to work your way to heaven? Are you trying to make the right decisions, do the right things? Forget about all that. Forget about all that. You're a child of God or you wouldn't be worried about it. Come to Jesus. Lay the burden down. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, that's the right way to respond. Come to Jesus. Back over in, back over in Romans chapter 4. 
in verse 1. Listen to this. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, whereof he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Notice here, it was counted unto Abraham, not unto God. There's nothing that can be counted unto God for righteousness except the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Abraham trusted God. Abraham believed in God. Abraham was justified in the courtroom of his heart and mind because he put his faith in God. And skipping on down for lack of time to verse 23. He says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed unto him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You see, beloved, here when we believe that Jesus was delivered to redeem us from our sins and was raised from the dead because his work of justification was accepted of God, and then God imputes righteousness into the courtroom of our heart and mind. And by faith, we believe in the finished work of the Lord Jesus, and we can declare ourselves just before God. You know, there's no other way I can declare myself just before God, but by trusting and hoping in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 1 of chapter 5, listen to this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have eternal salvation with God? No. No, we don't have eternal salvation. That comes another way. But we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, justification by faith is when we see ourselves as the condemned sinners that we are. But instead of trying to work our own way out to find peace with God, we just trust that the Lord Jesus Christ has done it all. See, that trust, that faith reconciles us to God. That trust and faith brings us peace with God. It's a different type of justification than eternal justification. But you say, preacher, wait a minute. Now, you just read to me that it's justification by faith without works. And yet, when I turn over to James, and you might turn there, chapter 2 and verse 21, we read, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar. <laughs> Seest thou, he says in verse 22, how faith wrought with his works, and by works his faith was made perfect. So, so hold on here. I'm getting confused. You've already explained justification by grace is solely and holy of God, and it's in the courtroom of eternal heaven. And you've explained, though, that justification by faith is in the courtroom of your heart and mind, and it doesn't have anything to do with works either. But now you're saying there's justification by works? Yes, but remember what it said. <laughs> you got to know which courtroom you're in. You got to know which courtroom you're in. These seem to contradict, but I tell you, beloved, they don't because the difference is justification by grace is in the courtroom of eternal heaven. Justification by faith is in the courtroom of our heart and mind, and justification by works is in the courtroom of men's opinions, the courtroom of public opinion. Remember what we said? We got to have law for there to be a courtroom. You don't have to turn back over there, but read the Beatitudes, uh, well, the Sermon on the Mount sometime. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There you see the law given. You see the lawgiver, which is Christ. So who's the judge in this courtroom? It's other men. It's those living around us. It's our neighbors. Look in, here in James chapter 2 again. And look particularly in uh, verse uh, 18. Notice what he says here. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Here is the judge, you see. The judge is those living around us, those who look upon us and say, You know, he's a member of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. What do they believe down there? Well, I don't know what they believe, but they sure do live differently than everybody else. They don't look like the world around them. Or maybe, unfortunately, it may be the other way around. Someone may say, well, they're a member down there at Zion Primitive Baptist Church, but you sure can't tell them from the world <laughs> in the way that they live and the way they deal with other people. They, they cheat each other. They, 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 they talk ugly. They do things that are uh, contrary to the Word of God. He says, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you mine by my works. And that ought to be our desire. You know, back over in 2 Peter, he said uh, uh, in chapter uh, 2, I believe it is, in verse, no, chapter 1 and verse 10, he said, Wherefore the rather, brethren, be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Sure to who? Some would tell us you've got to make it sure to God. <laughs> no, God's sure about it. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, in 2 Timothy 1.19, he tells us the foundation of God standeth sure, uh, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. God's sure about it. God's sure about your election. He's the one that did the electing. He's sure about it. But sometimes, I'll tell you, beloved, depending on how I live and how I act, I'm not always sure about it. Peter says you need to be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Sure to whom? Sure to me and sure to you. You know, I preached funerals of people before that I really wasn't sure whether they were a child of God or not. I really wasn't sure. I felt like they probably were, but I wasn't for sure. Beloved, I know I'm the least of the least. I'm the chiefest of sinners. And you know that I know that. And I know that you know that I know that. But I hope when I die, and I'm laid crossways out here in front of this pulpit, I want to leave you some assurance that I am a child of God. Think about, think about Abraham and Lot. Think about Abra Abraham. I don't think any of us would have seen the life of Abraham and wondered, is Abraham a child of God? He, he lived by faith. He walked by faith. He was faithful in all. I mean, he did some things he shouldn't do, but he, he committed sin and he was a sinner, but he acted as though he were a child of God. But I tell you, if the Bible didn't tell me Lot was in heaven today, I'd question it. The last time we see Lot in his life, Lot is in fear, drunk in a cave, committing unspeakable sins with his daughters. What kind of witness is that? What In the courtroom of men's opinions... Lot would be condemned and Abraham would be justified, you see. But we read, Peter tells us as well, <laughs> that Lot was a righteous man. He had a righteous soul. He's in heaven today. But oh, he was condemned by the faithlessness that he lived. Back in James chapter 2, let's skip back up now to verse 14 as we bring this to a close. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? 
If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, <clears throat> if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Notice the focus here. The focus is always outward in these verses. What, if a man say he hath faith, show me. You see, verses 14 and 18 in particular, show me. Uh, 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 a man says he has faith. He says depart in peace. He says this. He does that. See, good works are a manifestation of our faith. Verse 17, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. In other words, good works manifest our faith. They are evidence of our faith in the eyes of others. Uh, and if people do not see good works in our lives, what evidence do they have that we truly are a people of faith? I heard that question asked one time, sort of facetiously, some years ago. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? This is that courtroom where the evidence will be presented. It's not eternal heaven. It's not, well, it somewhat affects the courtroom of your heart and mind, but particularly in the courtroom of men's opinions, if you were tried for being a Christian, for being a follower, a disciple of the Lord, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I'm sorry to say there have been times in my life where I look just like the world. There's still times, I'll tell you, there, I hate to even confess this, but there are times even now as your pastor that, that, that if you could see how I act at home sometimes, and, and even my family doesn't even see this, but, but, but there are times when there is no way, if you look, took a snapshot of my life on that day, you say, boy, that fellow's going to bust hell wide open. <laughs> and you know what? He ought to. I ought to. But praise God, because of the eternal justification by grace in the courtroom of heaven, I won't. And if I get my act together down here, then in my courtroom of my heart and mind and in the courtroom of public opinion, I'll be justified as well. Verse 21. Well, verse 19. Let's go back and skip verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. What he's saying here is from the standpoint of others looking in from the outside, even the devils believe that God is God. Shouldn't there be a difference, though, between us and the devils? <laughs> Shouldn't they be able to look at us and say, you know, if I stand up and say, I believe God is God, but then I go rob a bank or I go kill somebody or I do lesser things than that even, I don't look any different than the devils. Shouldn't there be a distinction? Shouldn't people be able to see a difference between us and the devils? Shouldn't we show forth good works as evidence that we're not merely like the devils? He said, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? What was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See, this is the good example we have of the courtroom of men's opinions. I can just see Abraham as he's at the base of that mountain with Isaac, who was not a little boy, by the way. I don't know how old he was, but I believe he was a grown man. And he turns to his servants there, and they all kind of figured out. I, I don't know what Abraham told them, 
I think he kind of kept it to himself. But I think everybody could had suspicions going on that journey, Brother Mackey. I believe they all had suspicions. Isaac most of all. And, and as they get to the foot of this mountain and they realize there's no ram, there's no sheep, there's no sacrifice, it's just Isaac and Abraham, and they're going up on this mountain. You know, I can just see those servants whispering to themselves and saying, man, what's he going to do? How's he going to handle this? You know, I've heard God told him to do this. He's, what's he? And, and he turns to him and he says, you wait here. The lad and I will go yonder and make the sacrifice, and we will return thither. And those servants had to say, wow, what faith, what faith. And more than that, he gets up on the mountain, and Isaac says, Father, here's the wood and the fire and all these things, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham looks at his son, and he says, God, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. For the sacrifice. He will provide himself. I can see the faith stirred up in Isaac. As Isaac wasn't wrestled to the ground and tied up and laid on the altar, Isaac was too big for that. Isaac uh, was willing to go. And Abraham, as he raised the knife, <laughs> suddenly the Lord stopped him there and said, Abraham, Abraham, you, I know now that you're faithful. How did, you know, God already knew this. What's he talking about? Abraham, you've proven it now. You've proven it. We know Abraham was faithful, don't we? Not because he said he was, but because of what he did. You see, verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. I find that encouraging that it's in the courtroom of public opinion where we perform works of faithfulness, where we do works of righteousness, that we ultimately may find ourselves in the category of being the friend of God. You know, Lot was a child of God. He didn't act very faithfully. He didn't act like one. But Abraham acted like one. He, he did good works and he was justified in the courtroom of public opinion. And he was even called the friend of God. See, these courtrooms are important. And especially this courtroom of public opinion. The courtroom of public opinion, justification by works, is important to our impact on this world. It's not going to get us to heaven. That's not, the, that's not where the courtroom is. It's here and now. It's your neighbors. It's your friends. It's your co-workers. It's, your, it's those that, in your family. It's, it's those that are living around you. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, you're the salt of the earth. He said, if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Later on, he says, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and hide it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light, he says, unto all that are in the house. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The courtroom of public opinion is important, child of God. It's not that we're trying to put on airs or look like we're better than anybody. That's not the point. The point is to, to do right and understanding all the time that in the courtroom of our heart and mind we're condemned sinners, but by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and His ultimate faithfulness 
faithfulness and His ultimate sacrifice on the cross, we can not only experience uh, uh, justification by those around us, but we can be justified, we can feel justified in our hearts and minds because we are submitting ourselves to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to Jesus. That's what coming to Jesus is all about. It's not about coming to Him to get born again. It's about those who are born again and are now laboring under the burden of sin, coming to Him and laying that burden down. Saying, Lord, I, you know, I'm just going to trust that You took care of this because I can't take care of it. That's what justification by faith is all about. And you know the beauty of it is, I told you we'd come back to it as we bring this to a close. <laughs> back over in 1 John chapter 3. I got good news for you if you feel like you stay condemned all the time, like I do. In the courtroom of my heart and mind, I seem like I'm constantly condemning myself because I'm doing things I shouldn't do, thinking things I shouldn't. You remember in verse 21, he said, if our heart condemn us not, we, can have, we have confidence toward God. There are times I have confidence toward God. I feel confident toward God right now. I feel the Spirit of the Lord moving. I feel, I feel like we're focusing on the right thing. My mind is where it ought to be right now. But it won't be long before I'm back out there in the world. And then I start struggling. And I wonder if I'm even a child of God sometimes because of the things I think and the things I do. But notice verse 20. He said, If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Isn't that glorious? Even in the midst of the, uh, of the trial of our faith that we experience in the courtroom of our heart and mind that we so often fail at, that we're so often condemned by, he said, just remember this, God's greater than your heart. Your heart may condemn you, but God is greater than your heart. Now, you ought to try to change things. You ought to try to do better. You ought to try to live right. But you'll never live right enough that you'll feel yourself fit for heaven, I'm sorry to tell you. He said, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. You know what? He knows primarily this such a great comfort to me. He knoweth them that are his. I'm so thankful for that. So to wrap it up, justification by grace occurs in the courtroom of heaven. And that's by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Justification by faith occurs in the courtroom of our hearts and minds and it's something we have to exercise on a daily basis in order to feel justified and have peace toward God. Justification by works is in the courtroom of men's opinions and we ought to live our lives in such a way that we are justified as they look upon us in their minds. In their minds we're justified. In their minds there's something different about us that by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, Jesus said, that you have love one to another. You know, that's one of the characteristics of this church that I've been told over and over and over by those who visit. What love you show to one another and to those who visit. Let us always continue to do that because it's not by our orthodoxy. It's not by our doctrine. It's not by all those things are important. We ought to get it right. But if we get it right in that way and we miss it in the love, then we just are clanging brass and tinkling cymbals, Paul says. So let's rest in the fact that we've been justified by the blood of Christ. And let's try this week to remain justified in our minds and in the courtroom of men's opinions. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. 
I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.